Once again, we just want to welcome everybody here this morning. My name is Joe Crummy. I'm one of the elders here at the Meeting Place Church, and I'm going to be speaking this morning. And we're going to continue our series. Interesting that Gary used the word foundation in that prophetic word, because that's what we've been doing as a church, taking a look at foundations for our own personal lives, but also as we come together, as we realize when we become a Christian that we're part of something bigger as well. So it's a very uh, individual thing that we're have our own relationship with God, but God, it's beyond that as well. God includes us into His people, and we've been looking at what it is to be born again, what it is to become a Christian. Last week, we took a look at what it means to be part of the kingdom of God, and I hope you're realizing that as a Christian, that your identity and everything about your life radically changes when you become a Christian, when you're a follower of Jesus, when God's born birth you again, born again, as John read from First Peter, about how we're born into a living hope, that there's something spiritual, something supernatural that takes place, and all of a sudden, many things change. And I hope you realize, sort of, I'm trying to get the broad scope of everything that happens when you become a Christian, because sometimes we can be so narrow that it might be just be a one-off event, and then life goes on as normal. That's not the case, or it shouldn't be the case. And your identity takes on many different things. You're now a disciple of Christ. And that's what we took a look at what it means discipleship. As we saw last week, now you're a citizen in the kingdom of God. So you change kingdoms. So just as sometimes we change countries and the rules change and citizenship changes and there's all kinds of radical changes, when you become a Christian, you're now part of the kingdom of God. And today we're going to continue in that and we're going to take a look at the church and we're going to realize that Jesus is building his church. And so let's take a look at the scripture from 1 Peter, and this is from Peter, who I always find fascinating because we learn a lot about his life in the Bible and how he was a real passionate follower of Jesus, but then how he turned away from Jesus at the cross and how he denied Jesus and how Jesus restored him. What an incredible picture of grace and mercy. And then how when he's filled with the Holy Spirit, how he becomes a great follower and leader of Jesus. And this is one of, when he was older, one of his letters that he wrote to the church. And we're going to pick up the story here in chapter 2, and we'll read it out. And Peter says this, As you come to him, that's Jesus, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, for it stands in Scripture, so he refers back to an Old Testament Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. What a great promise. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And he continues, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. So Jesus is one of those uh, people, main person in history, that either he's going to build your life upon, or basically you're probably going to trip over him, okay? And you're going to be offended by him. It's usually one or the other. That's what Peter's saying. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, or a different translation, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Woohoo! That's awesome news for us today. 
especially for those of us who didn't grow up Jewish, that is incredible news. Okay, and we're going to explain that a bit more. So let me just ask this question. If I were to ask each one of you, what when I say the word church, what comes to mind? I'm sure we get lots of different answers. Graham's already got the steeple drawn out already. So there's one answer, especially if you went out on the street and if you were to ask people, okay, when I say the word church, what comes to mind? How would you define church or what initial reactions do you have? Okay, we've done this before and here's a lot of the answers that you will get. First one, most people relate, at least here in North America, okay, to buildings. So, and you guys are going to laugh because any of you who know me, I work really hard, and Adam Landel did a very fine job this morning of saying, we're going to meet for prayer tonight at the building, 487 Brunswick Street. Okay? So I've worked really hard because I have a little pet peeve that I don't like when we associate church with a building. And so that's my own little pet peeve, but that's one of the biggest ones, okay? We're going to go to church or you know, there's all kinds of things that go with church. And a lot of times, and it's just an observation, people go weird as soon as you go into a church building, okay? So a lot of times people change. And I even saw it this morning, last weekend here in Fredericton, um, there was the thing held at Wilmot Church, the songwriter circle and a different thing going on for the folk music festival. And I was reading in the paper this work in this week, and this guy even made a comment, you know, he was sharing about something, and then he said, Oh, but I, you know, I have to kind of behave because we're in a church, which could be a good thing, but it just, you know, if he was 10 feet out the door, he would have said something else. You know what I mean? It's just like that's the geography of it. Or it could be tradition. So a lot of times people, church, they think, well, you know, my family's Anglican or my family's Baptist or my family's Catholic, and it can be a traditional thing. Or at Christmas, we go to church here. Or Easter, we go to church here. And it's part of our family tradition. That's what we did growing up could be denominations. Sometimes people think labels, and sometimes people have a positive reaction to that. Sometimes people have a negative reaction. Sometimes church means going to a service. So it's in, so church is all about meetings or services. And if you were to check the newspaper here in Fredericton, a lot of the time, you would think church had to do with this. And again, I'm, it's just an observation, is that most of the, it seems like a lot of churches that get advertising in the paper it's about a potluck supper or a bake sale to raise money and again i'm not being critical i'm just saying if you were to third eye you moved here and you just looked at the newspaper that's what you would think maybe church is there's a whole lot of eating going on okay so we have to understand that um, depending upon your background we might have preconceived ideas of what church is or what church isn't and my point this morning is to kind of just help us that we have to take a look at the New Testament and we have to see, and thankfully we've done it for the last year, in the book of Acts, um, a lot of the things we talk about up here aren't there. Okay, They ate a lot. They went from house to house, so, but it was a little bit different than I think what we have for bake sales today. But if you read the New Testament, two things stand out to you. Okay, One, it's all about people. And the second thing, okay, it's all about the power of God. Now when I say power of God, I mean like, Jesus has talked a lot about the Holy Spirit. He's talked about signs and wonders. So we get a very radical picture, I think, from a lot of our experiences 
in church life that we need to reprogram our brain and our hearts that when we talk about church, we have to make sure we're understanding a New Testament understanding of church life. That it's really this. This is a great little phrase. Okay, and this is um, from uh, Nicky Gumbel from Alpha, one of his quotes. It says, a people you belong to by the Spirit, that's the Spirit of God, commit it to Jesus and each other. Okay, so that's just a good little helpful phrase. But my point being today, the church is not the building. The church, the people of God. And that's the most important thing. So there's this vertical relationship that each of us individually has with God. We come to the Father through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. When we're born again, we can now call God our Father, which is just like that. I say it a hundred times during the week, and that still is such a radical thing that the God of all creation we can call Father. Okay? We now belong to the people of God. And as Peter says, once you weren't a people, okay, once you were separated from God, but now you are the people of God. Folks, that should never grow old on us. So whether you're part of the church for many, many years, decades, this should be, it should warm our hearts every time. It should stir us up that we are now the people of God by the Holy Spirit. We're united with Jesus Christ and he puts us into the people of God. It's this vertical connection with God, but then it's a horizontal relationship as well. It spreads out okay, that we get to be in this together. And coming from a background of mine of sports, okay, where sports and team, there's just something resonated in me growing up, that team and being part of a team and having a common goal, having a common mission, being in things together, sacrificing together, celebrating together, all those different things where I was committed to something, okay, that where I put my life, okay, that I believe, and it can look different, it can be part of glee club, drama, whatever it is, we all want to belong to something bigger that we're a part of. You know what? Actually, that is from God. Now, sin separates us from God, and that gets maybe okay, channeled in a different way, but I believe that's from God. And thankfully, when God wakes us up to his reality, that we realize church, for me, if I can use sporting terms, is the greatest team on planet Earth. And Jesus is our captain. He's the one that we follow. Okay? And that we're in this together. That we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay? We're on the same team. We have different roles, different functions. But we love one another. We honor one another. We have a great goal. We have all kinds of things that should stir us up. That should give us passion. That should we sacrifice for one another. We get to celebrate together. We hurt together. Okay? That replaced... My love for other things that became lesser because I realized, okay, the people of God, the church, is the greatest team on planet Earth. Okay? And that replaced those things. We should be stirred up by the church. And I understand, and I used to do it, okay? And I had to repent and change from it, okay? I used to not like church. And I used to speak against church. I used to say, yeah, man, as long as you follow Jesus, forget about the church. Because I didn't have good experience with church. I had to realize that's wrong. You can't, you can't say that. Because okay? if you're connected to Jesus, okay, the church is his body. It's his people. It's his team. Okay? Now we've got to maybe change some things, but we've got to realize the church is really important. Jesus died for the church. Okay? Jesus loves the church. And there's all kinds of other ones we can say today. I'm just going to pick three. 
church is the bride of Christ. There's different ones we can't even get into. Okay? But to realize church is the people of God. And folks, here's the thing. Last week we talked about being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, all the things that come with it. And I want to hone in on this one just for a minute. And we're going to talk a bit more about this, how that gets worked out over the next couple of weeks and after March break and that. But I have to just say it here. Okay? Sometimes, again, we can think citizens. We can think, hey, legally we know we're of the same country, all of that. But the people of God, there's one thing that's different. A key thing is to, we get to be friends together. We get to be friends together. Jesus said to his disciples in John 15, okay, I don't just call you as servants. I now call you as friends. Folks, this is radical stuff. Okay? That Jesus, okay, who gave his life for us, didn't do it in a stoic manner. He did it, and then he calls us as his friends. And in church, we should be able to be friends together. Now, my experience growing up was not like that. Okay? Everybody almost was friends more outside of church than in church. And so it was weird because as soon as we walked into a building, everybody went weird. So you could laugh outside the church building, but as soon as you got inside church, no laughter. Okay? You could talk outside of church building, but as soon as you were in, you couldn't. Okay? And it, you just realize there's something wrong with this. Now some of that, again, God's holy and we, I can understand some of where those things come from. But in New Testament, church isn't just something we go to once a week or something we do in a sacred building. Church is all the time. It's the people of God. So whether we meet here at a university in a lecture hall, okay, okay, we don't have to pray beforehand to make this place sacred. We're here. We're the people of God. Okay? That's the most important part. So if you want to meet with God, you don't go to a building. You go to where the people of God are. Our meaning, it doesn't matter the location. In your life groups and homes, okay, at your mom's group, at Fuel, with our youth, okay, wherever it is in kids' church right now, that's the people of God. And it should be a friendship that gets worked out in all these different ways. Now, I'll just say this, because I've been in church life long enough, even in our church life. Okay, because of what Jesus has done, and he calls us his friends, this is an important one. What I'm about to say Jesus makes this possible. I'm going to say this. It's not guaranteed because we have a part to play in it. So let me say that again. What I'm about to say about all these things about being friends, Jesus makes it possible because he puts us into the same team. He gives us his Holy Spirit. We have unity. And as we're going to see over the next couple of points, he makes all this possible that all of us coming together from different backgrounds who wouldn't maybe normally be friends, it's possible for us to become friends, but it's not guaranteed because we have a part to do in it. Okay? So we should be people where we can be transparent with one another. We can be honest with each other. That's one of the things that should mark the church as maybe different from other things. We don't have to put a mask on because we're loved by God, because we're forgiven, all these different things that we're now secure in Christ as we're growing in that. Then we can be honest with one another with appropriate boundaries and all the guidelines that come with it. But we should be able to share our lives with one another, and we can share, you know what, I'm really struggling in this. I need help with this. We can confess our sins to each other. We're to help one another. Okay? That should be a mark of friendship, and that's what we are trying to do in life groups. That's what we're trying to do in all these different things. We're trying to facilitate these things. Okay? We should be a forgiving people. We treat sin very seriously, okay? but we're very forgiving because we 
ourselves have been forgiven. Okay? And once you've been forgiven, it's much easier to forgive somebody else. We're caring. We care about... We're also confronting. Okay? We can speak blind spots in each other's lives. That you say, you know what? I just don't think those are good decisions. I think you're going down the wrong road. And in love, I'm just going to give you my thoughts humbly and let's talk about it some more. Okay? We can confront one another. You know what? I just see some bad habits developing here. I'm really concerned about you. You're isolated. You know what? You're slipping off the side. Can we talk? Let's have a coffee. What's going on in your life? We can confront one another in appropriate ways. But that should mark the church. You know what? There should be lots of laughter in church life as friends together. Okay? Okay. There's, again, a seriousness about meeting with God that we take sin seriously. Absolutely. We want to come before God. We don't want to ever take God for granted. All those things. Okay? But in grace, we should be able to enjoy God and enjoy his presence, and therefore we should be able to enjoy each other. And thankfully, one of the great things about being church together, the people of God, we get to encourage one another. We get to give courage to one another. We get to strengthen one another. We get to speak words of courage and encouragement. Prophetic words come and they build us up and they edify us and they encourage us. They strengthen us. These should be marks of the people of God. Lots more, and we're going to flesh those out a little bit more over the next coming weeks because we're going to talk about the purpose when we meet corporately. We're going to talk about what goes on in life groups. We're going to talk about how do we work some of these things out. I'm just kind of going more bigger picture here today just to kind of get us a sense of what it is to be the church. The foundations are, once we weren't a people, now we're the people of God, that God has brought us together as friends that we get to live this out together. Another thing that's radically different about the church is this. We are the family of God. And Paul says this in Galatians 4, 6. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And we can't say this enough. When you're born again, you're born into a family. That Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm sending you my spirit. And he brought together a community that was the family of God. And the Bible talks about it so much so, the Bible uses two different terms to describe family. He says that you're born again, you're born into a family, you're born of the Spirit. And then he also talks about this, you're adopted into a family. He covers both of those things. And we can learn a lot from both of those illustrations. That just as someone's physically born, we're born again, we're born into a family. But oh, this, okay, we were far from God. And God, in his sovereignty, adopts us, he buys us, he picks us, and he brings us into his family. And we've spoken different times as we've had different people adopt babies into our church family, into their physical family. All the illustrations that go with that, that is what God has done for us. Okay? So we're the people of God, okay? we're in friendship together, but it goes even further. We are the family of God. And that's a radical thing. Because this, we all have the same Father now in heaven. God is our Father in heaven. He was our Creator before, and he's the creator of all things, but now that goes beyond being a creator, he's actually our Abba Father. Jesus, the Bible says, is our elder brother. And that makes us brothers and sisters in Christ. And as the old saying goes, you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family. <laughs> so there's an awareness here 
that we can laugh at, but it's the reality of it. We're born into a family, and in the family of God, as we're going to see, we're all different. Some of us are more different than others, depending upon how you define different. And in a family, and as I'm experiencing more and more having four kids, families fight a lot. And it's one thing's encouraging with our guys. Thankfully, most of the time, it's not at school. It's not in kids' church. It only seems to happen when they're with us. So I think we as parents are probably the problem. You know what? In church life, this happens a lot. And this is kind of how I'd like to see things. It's okay sometimes for us to fight in as family, that we're going to have disagreements, we're going to have misunderstandings. Okay? We should be passionate about some of the things we're making decisions on. So we're going to have some disagreements. We're not going to line up. And sometimes people ask me, especially non-Christians, say, well, man, church, all it does is fight and everything. And sometimes I can say, yeah, you know, over stupid things, you're right. But sometimes we fight because we're very passionate about some important things. And so we're very concerned about doctrine. So when we fight about doctrinal things, it's not just to win an argument. It's because we're concerned about truth because that affects everything. And when we make decisions, sometimes we have arguments and fights and that. And sometimes that's normal and healthy. The key thing is this. Do we know how to fight fair? And do we know how to resolve conflict? Those are the bigger issues. And those are the things we try to teach and we try to apply God's principles in his word. As the family of God, okay, it doesn't mean we're all going to be lovey-dovey and get along and live happily ever after. Okay? It doesn't work that way. Okay? There's going to be some fights. Now, the thing is, we want to fight fairly, and we want it to be within our family, and we try not to take those fights out into the world that would disrespect the name of Jesus and his church. Okay? So that's why gossip and bitterness and slander and all those things have no place okay, in church life, especially out in the community. We can do things internally, we can fight fair, we can get together, we can meet face-to-face, we can share our points of view, we can pray together, we can forgive each other, we can agree, agree to disagree, we can do the closed-handed, we can do the open-handed, these things, non-negotiable, these things, hey, we, there's some flexibility there. As the family of God, we got to learn how to do that together. So that's just a key thing to put there. We're part of a worldwide family. Different races, cultures, colors, classes, languages, we're all the family of God in Christ. So it's huge. It's very exciting. Okay? We're part of the family of God that goes around the globe. So there's people who've already been worshiping today in different parts of the world. There's Christians that are just multiplying. There's the persecuted church that we want to remember in prayer. Tonight we're going to be praying for our friends in Zimbabwe. So we've got some different things to pray for there. We're going to be praying for some of our friends in Turkey. Okay, we're, we get to do that together as a family. We're concerned about these things. Okay? And it also changes how we view people and how we identify people. So in church life, okay, racial issues shouldn't be a problem because we're one together in Christ. And Christ supersedes what color skin we are. Language shouldn't be an issue in the sense of in a prejudice sort of way. Okay? Rich or poor shouldn't be an issue. Those things okay, are done away with because we're one together in Christ. Christ has bought us, and therefore, in Christ, we're equal in these things. Male or female, 
as Paul says, Jew or Gentile at the cross were bought together. Jesus just didn't do, I'm going to die on this cross or this sort of people and I'll do something else over here. He did it all. And we have to make sure that gets worked out in our life. Because our life, okay, in the world we live in, no matter what culture we come from, is full of racism and prejudice. And a lot of those things can carry over into church life. And as John and Lisa just experienced in South Africa, seeing okay, the demonstration of church being probably the only place where those sorts of things can get dealt with because Jesus is the one that destroyed those barriers that we can become one as a worldwide family. And then obviously, there's local family. We're part of the body of Christ globally, and then we're also part of the body of Christ on a local family thing that we would say here at the Meeting Place Church that it's important to know your local family. And so some people um, would say, you know what, hey, I just followed Jesus and I'm part of the church, the body of Christ all over the world, and I don't need to get plugged into a local church. Okay? Well, we would say, from what we see in New Testament, if you were to live out all the different one another's and all the different things that are played out in the book of Acts and the epistles, guess what? You need to be connected to a local family. Okay? It's like saying, hey, I'm a person, I'm connected to humanity, but I'm just going to live my own life. It doesn't work that way. We have to be in relationship with one another. Okay? In order for you to serve and to have spiritual gifts that are to build up the body, guess what? You've got to be connected to other people that that can happen. Okay? For us to be molded and shaped, there has to be some structure to it as well. Okay? So we're not afraid to say, hey, we have some structure in church life in this local church. Renting a building on Sunday morning is part of that structure. And then there's different life groups, all the different things that go on. Okay? There's church discipline in the family of God. We discipline our kids for their good, to train them up. We have church discipline here in our church family as well. And those are some of the things over the next few weeks we want to explain even more, that people understand, hey, if you're a Christian, there's responsibilities that go with that as part of the family of God. And that if you want to serve, if you want to be in leadership, there's responsibility and there's character issues that we need to deal with. And so we work that out together. And thankfully, we're able to do that in a church because our heart is always to restore people. And a lot of times we don't have to do any of that publicly. We do it behind the scenes and we involve the people that are connected. But you need to know that's going on. And as you want to continue to learn more about that, we're going to explain those details to you. And again, it's in a grace-filled way, but we do take sin seriously. Because okay? it kills. Okay? It will kill you. Okay? And it destroys the name of Jesus. And it destroys relationships. And it destroys our witness in the world. And so we don't want that, okay? We're together in prayer. It's one of the great things we get to do as the family of God. We get to call on the same Father as brothers and sisters in Christ. We get to have friendship together. We get to serve together. And we're going to, again, expound upon these things over the next few weeks. But I just want to try to get big picture what we're going for is that you need to be plugged into a local family, okay? We're part of the worldwide, so we don't want to get too narrow. So tonight we can pray for our friends all around the world but we're committed to this local while God's got us here. And as we say to our university students, other people, while you're here, treat this as if this is where you're going to be for the rest of your life. Okay? So if you're only here September to April, get plugged in, put your head down and say, while I'm here, God, I want to learn, I want to serve, I want to be trained for whatever you have for me next. I'm only here for four years. 
this is where I'm going to do. If you're at the base in Gagetown, I'm only here maybe for this time, this is where I'm going to land my feet. Okay? And as we said to you many, 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 many times again, if we go through these things, and maybe there's some doctrinal things, maybe there's some relationship things, structure things, strategy things, that you feel the meeting place isn't for you, we won't be offended. But we want to help get you plugged in somewhere else. And there's lots of great churches here in Fredericton that we have great relationship with that if you don't fit with us, we're going to maybe help fit you in somewhere else. We just don't want you to be a lone ranger out on your own. Okay? So that's the family of God. And the last one I just want to go over this morning, foundationally, is that we are the house of God. And Peter says that you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And this is a radical change from Old Testament to New Testament. We'll just touch on it briefly. Old Testament, we do a quick review. Okay? And this is so key. This is, oh man, this is so good. Oh, we could go right till supper time tonight on this one. This is so exciting. The key is, God wants a relationship with us. Okay? He wants to be with his people. And we see it right from Adam and Eve. He created Adam and Eve in his image, and he walked with them. He related to them. His presence was with them. And of course, sin separates us from God. Okay? When we disobey God, we raise commandments, our heart is set on other things, we believe lies instead of God. All those things affect our relationship and the presence of God and us being in God's presence. And we see a whole pattern all the way through the Old Testament of God in his sovereignty, because the people certainly didn't always follow through, establishing covenants and establishing a way for him to be with his people. And so all the way along, we can see it through Abraham, we can see it with Joseph, we can see it with Moses, okay? And we see it in Moses, we pick up the story in Exodus, and they had this tent of meeting, and if you wanted to go meet with God, his ark was there, his presence was there, you went to the tent of meeting. And that's what they did for a long time. That was God's physical presence, okay? And he's leading them, pillar of fire, the cloud during the day, okay? And then the tent of meeting, if you wanted to meet with God, you went to the tent of meeting. And then David came along and he said, what is God doing living in a tent? That's what he was saying, like, God, God Almighty, living in a tent, a temporary thing. We need to build him the biggest house there is. And it was in David's heart to build God a temple that had to be the best temple there was because God deserves the best. And God said, great idea, you're not going to do it, but your son Solomon will. And we go on through and Solomon builds this incredible temple for God. And when they dedicated it, God's presence came. It flattened everybody. All the worshipers there flattened because of the presence of God. His glory was there. He was in his house. God is in the house. Okay? He was in his temple. And you fast forward, and that's the story of the Old Testament. So Jerusalem was the center because that's where God was. And the Jewish people okay, rode that wave thinking, well, God's in his temple, so we don't really have to follow him because since God's there, nothing can happen to us. Okay? And we see that God gave them over and the temple was destroyed. And we see that they rebuilt the temple to try to get God back with his people. And when Jesus came, he was Emmanuel, God with us. And John says the word was with us. Okay, he walked with us. We have seen his glory. He tabernacled with us. 
the temple of God was with us. And we see that when Jesus went on the cross, okay, from the bottom up, the temple, the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies, that only the high priest could go in once a year on the Day of Atonement, was ripped, and now we have access to God. Folks, we have no idea okay, how radical it is for us to be able to meet today. We come through Jesus. Okay, we don't have to shed any animal's blood to come here. We don't have to go through a priestly system. We have access to God because now the radical thing is, individually, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are now the temple of God. And collectively, we are the temple of God. This is where God lives. That has to be one of the most profound, encouraging, if not scary, things about being a Christian is God's Spirit is now living in us. Individually and when we get together. That's a radical thing. And Jesus is the cornerstone. It's all built on Jesus. And he's the master builder. And he fits us together. Paul says this in Ephesians. He just says it a different way. Let me read it out to you. Okay, This is from 19... After he, Ephesians 2, 19-22, after he describes what it is to be in Christ, he says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. Wow, God, Jesus, the master builder, takes us as living stones and he fits us together to be his house. He fits our personalities together. He fits our strengths and our weaknesses together. He gives the Holy Spirit, gives spiritual gifts that are fitted together to work together. We're called to be on a mission together. We're called to be a witness together. All those things Jesus does So the church is not a building. It's not even a temple that was so sacred to the Jews. Now, we are the temple. We are the Holy Spirit. No matter what your background is, once you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're part of the temple that Jesus is building. And folks, we can't say it enough. God lives in his house. God is present with his people. And we need to think of that and realize that every time we're together. Okay, we can meet with God in our own personal time. We can meet to God two or three gathered together, 12, 14 people gathered together, hundreds gathered together, thousands. But we should have an expectation that we get to meet with God in any one of those scenarios. Even at your workplace, you're with, God is with you. Jesus said, I'm going to send you to the nations. Don't worry, I'm with you always by his Holy Spirit. And we are the people of God. So this morning, there should be evidence that God is here with us his people. There should be prophetic words. There should be. It doesn't get old. It should be every Sunday. It's fresh that God's speaking to us because God's with his people. Okay? Every Sunday, there should be an atmosphere of what is God going to do today because we get to meet with the living God. Church should never be boring. It should never be dull. Okay? It should never be the same old, same old. It should be every single time 
we're together. We get to meet with the living God who is real, who is here, who is present, who is alive, who speaks today, who transforms, who changes, who brings everything together for good, who is bringing glory to himself. That should be our attitude every time we get together. So every time we expect God to be here. And we pray. We don't take it for granted. We pray, God, we need your presence more than anything, as we sang this morning. And what makes church different from every other organization is the manifest presence of the living God. So as I said many times before, okay, we might be freaked out sometimes when there's a tongue interpretation. It should be evidence that God is here because of spiritual gifts, and you're not going to find that anywhere else. Now, you have to explain it. You have to help people through. But there's a supernatural part okay, that should be evidence that God is alive today. Because we're his temple. We're his house. Okay? And if you want to go buy a car, where do you go? <laughs> Adam Langell. <laughs> what section of Kijiji? <sighs> Help me out. Cars. Cars, thank you. Joel, you'll get bonus points. Adam. If you want to go meet with God, where should you find God? <laughs> work with me, people. Work with me. Although we've had people come to Alpha and that from Kijiji, so you can find God in Kijiji as well. Okay. Point is, most of the time, here in North America, people go looking for God everywhere else but church. A lot of the time. So I'll find God in nature. I'll find God at yoga class. I'll find God at this new age thing. I'll find him at the psychic. I'll find God everywhere else. And the last place they turn to is where God should be most manifest. And I'm not saying God is just limited to church life. As we see, God gives dreams, visions. I mean, you can't contain God, but you understand what I'm saying. We're his people. And if people are going to find God, they should be able to find God in his house. That's his people meeting together. And that should be a challenge for us. It should make us call out to God and say, God, we don't want to embarrass you, God. We're your people, and your word says that you're going to be present among us, that you're manifest present. And when you showed up in the temple in the Old Testament, people knew it. There was no doubt about it. And that's the thing we're praying for, God. We desire your presence, that when we meet together at Life Group, Okay, it shouldn't be the same old, same old. We're coming together. We have expectation. God, we need you. We want to meet with you. We want to be changed in your presence. That should be it for fuel. That should be it for our kids' church. If you're serving on kids' church, okay, I know it's hard, but you should have a prayer in your heart. God, these kids need the living God. We want you to be manifest even through our fun and through our games. We pray that they'll know the living God at street level on the sandwich run. May they meet the living God who desires a relationship, who's made it possible through Jesus Christ. That should be our heart cry all the time for everything in our own families, even as it's chaotic, okay, and all those things. Our heart cry should be seeking God. God, we want your manifest presence when we meet together. There should be evidence of the presence of God in his church. That's our heart cry. And I hope it's yours as well. So when we come together and we pray at tag, okay, we're not just going through a shopping list, okay? We're crying out for the manifest presence of God to change situations. Okay? We're asking for spiritual gifts to be released. 
that are going to strengthen the body. We're asking God to raise up apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers because we need churches that are full of the Holy Spirit, full of the presence of God, worshiping churches that are alive today, that are going to impact communities, that are going to be used as the primary way that God's going to extend his kingdom to bring his government and his rule, that he's going to turn people who hate him into worshipers. He's going to turn people who are indifferent into passionate followers of Jesus Christ. That's why it's so important. Okay? All the things that we're going to be talking about in church life is so important. Because in order to do that, we're it. God's going to use us. And that should be our heart cry. Okay? And worship fills this house. It's praise and service. Peter said, all of these things are true so that we get to declare his excellencies. That his house should be full of worship to him. And what do I mean by worship? I mean two things. Okay, there's two words that are used for worship. One is this. There should be a real intimacy with God. Okay, there's one, it's to bow down, it's to kiss, it's to adore. There should be one aspect of worship. That's why, as awkward as it seems, sometimes we should be able to sing our songs to God, just as I was leading you in, trying to coach you and teach you here this morning. That's a powerful thing when we express our love to God. That's part of worship. Okay? We sometimes, I certainly need coaching, need it all the time. I need Hallmark's help all the time, okay? As Valentine's Day's come up, to express my love to Angela, I need some assistance, okay? To take what's in here and express it to her. It's the same thing with God. Sometimes we need tools and helpers. That's why we worship leaders say, help us, okay? But they're not just doing it. They're helping us to be worshipers of God, okay? And there's another part of worship. So that's that whole intimacy. We're close to God. We're connected to God. That's in our private time in our corporate time, there's another aspect of worship, okay, and it's, it's to serve. It's sacrificial. It's service. And so God's house should be filled with worship that is a sacrifice of praise. It's an honoring of God by us sacrificing, okay? So I honor all the time those as part of their worship to God, they sacrifice. So those of you up this morning, okay, at 6.30 to get to the building and shovel it out and to get the truck in and minus 25 to get here at 8 o'clock to set everything up for the worship team to come at 8 o'clock and to get everything ready and our kids' church workers to come early and then they're going to stay afterwards and they're going to do it all again and none of us see any of it. I thank them and say that's a worship to God. God sees it. Okay? For street level sandwich run, I can go through and I get, I don't even know the whole of it, but I get to see sort of all aspects of church life that no one sees. So I get to see Gail and them counting money afterwards for hours that nobody does. Cyril and Warren, all them working, all the treasure stuff, that's all for hours and hours and hours that none of us know about. And if we didn't do it, we'd be in trouble. That's service, that's worship, that's praise to God. And I go through all kinds of different examples. So if you're involved in something I missed, I'm sorry, you get the gist of it. That's worship to God. Because that's pleasing, acceptable. That's our worship to God. It's with our voice and it's in corporate worship and it's their songs to praise, but it's also in everyday life. It gets worked out that it's honorable and pleasing to God. Okay, last thing I'm going to read. Because Emma uh, is in kids' church this morning, so she's not here to present it. But she had a word a couple weeks ago. She didn't get to share. And I said, well, hold on to it. And of course, the day that we could use it, she's not here. Um, so I'm going to try my best. Okay? And it goes right along what we're saying. We'll close with this. Okay? 
I really need Emma to do this because I'm going to totally not do it very well. Okay? Man, the hecklers are all out today, aren't they? I'm never going on Kijiji again after the being this morning. All right, here we go. One patch. So you get a whole bunch of patches all put together. You get the gist. Okay, Patty, can you help me out? You just hold that. Thank you. All right, now let me just read out what uh, Emma says, okay? So stick with me here. Okay, she says, okay, the word ahead. Well, for the first time in my life, I'm attempting to make a patchwork bag with all my scraps of fabric. I've been working on it for a few days. Then on Saturday night, a couple weeks ago, couldn't sleep, and God gave me a simple picture about it that God wants us to be like a patchwork pattern. We're all very different. Did I mention some of us are more different than others? But God sews us together with his Holy Spirit. He's taken each one of us off the scrap heap and saved us, but he doesn't stop there. He adds us into his church. This means we do end up being with people who are of a different pattern, have a different background, opinion, etc. We are all being made one in Christ in order to build his church and extend his kingdom. Just like my patchwork will make something for a purpose, God wants to encourage those who have been saved but haven't been added in to place themselves in the patchwork. A single hexagon of fabric can easily get lost or attached to the wrong things. Let me say that again. A single hexagon of fabric, a single person, can easily get lost or attached to the wrong things. When we're on our own as Christians, we're vulnerable. God's patchwork of the church is a safe place for us to learn, grow, and serve God because we're surrounded by those who love God too. God places us where he wants us in the pattern. All we need to do is be willing and cooperate with the Holy Spirit so he can do his work among us. Thanks, Patty. It's a great picture okay, of what we're talking about this morning. Okay, we're saved off the scrap heat. Okay, but either we're going to get lost if we don't get connected in, or we can get attached to something else that isn't the church, and we can put our time and our energy and our passion into something else that isn't eternal, okay, and that isn't maybe the primary thing that God wants us to be connected to. We want to be part of the church, which we hold in high esteem worldwide, locally. Okay? We're the people of God. It's not just a building. We are the church, the people of God. We're God's family. Okay? We might fight sometimes. We've got to love one another. We've got to work through it. We've got to keep going on. Okay? And we're the family of God that we get to care and love one another and serve one another. We're the house of God. We're the temple now. Jesus is the cornerstone. He's fitly framing us together. He's putting us together like a quilt. That Every one of us has a place. And he lives with his people. The manifest presence of God should be evident when we meet together on our own, in our small groups, corporately, when we meet together. God should be found in his church. And as a church, thankfully, as we're going to continue to see, God sends us out to take his presence everywhere that we go. That we bring God everywhere we go to be able to share good news about this great kingdom, about this great family, about a great God, about a great Savior, Jesus Christ.